at the end of the day, we're all entitled. We all have the right to feel whatever it is that we choose to feel at any particular time. But in the context of myself, I didn't have the right to be upset. I set the prices, right? And someone agreed to said prices. So who am I to be upset about something that I had complete and total control of? Hello, hello, hello. My name is Belinda Aramity and I am the host of the Claim Your Space podcast. The Claim Your Space podcast is a podcast for entrepreneurs looking to grow and scale their businesses in a way that aligns with the lives they want to live. I'm a sales and business coach. I have trained hundreds of people on effective social selling strategy. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, I'm full of sarcasm and wit. And it's taken me a while for me to own my confidence and my space within my industry. And I'm dedicating this podcast to helping you claim your space, own your space, and grow a business that's in alignment with exactly how you want to live your life. It's possible. You can do it. Let's do it together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Claim Your Space podcast. I am your lovely host, Belinda Aramity, and today we're going to be talking about pricing, how to price, when to increase your prices, etc., etc. I find there's so many blocks and hesitancies and fears when it comes to pricing. Um, and I shouldn't just say I feel that this way, it's something that I've experienced and it's something that all of my clients experience at some point of us working together as we work together to grow their businesses. And so today I wanted to take some time to answer three fundamental, um, you know, pricing questions and scenarios. And I really hope that you get some really good value from it. As always, we have a sales chat in every single episode and the sales chat that I really wanted to talk about today is systems and processes. And so this week I've really been working to update my CRM. I I have a really love-hate relationship with CRMs. Um, I love the information that's in them when I was in corporate, being able to, um, being able to uh, adopt a CRM that was really well, where the notes were in there. You could see the history of the account. You can see the different conversations. Incredibly valuable. It also helps you to kind of set it and forget it. So if you know you need to follow up with someone in September because of a conversation that you had back in March and you know that it's going to be a good time to initiate that conversation, you can flag the CRM to remind you so that you don't have to remember all the things. Uh, But with that being said, I typically have a really hard time following the systems and processes that I put together in my business. And it's something that I really want to encourage you guys to do. And I want to use, talk about it specifically from the angle of a CRM. We often spend all this time setting up the systems and processes, but then not taking the time in order to follow through on the systems and processes and making sure kind of the flow of things that flow into that system. So speaking of a CRM, help to support that. So for instance, all this week, I was taking all the information that I'm keep keeping in Google Docs or I'm keeping in a in a notebook or on freaking post-it notes on my desk, and I was making sure that it all goes into the CRM, things that I'm retaining from memory. I had to rewatch some videos, and this I find is really, really important in the prospecting phase because there are so many pieces, especially when you're looking at, you know, five, you know, larger five-figure and, you know, as you go six-figure deals, You need all these pieces, especially when you're dealing with corporate. But even if you are dealing with one-on-one coaching clients, let's say for whatever reason, a prospect decides not to move forward with your 
coaching program, having them within the CRM allows you to then run a report to see, okay, who are the people where they did a closed loss? I didn't get the business and re-engaging with them in six months. You could set a reminder in the CRM to remind you to reach out to this person, see how they're doing and see if now maybe is a better time for you guys to consider doing business. Or you can offer them a free resource that you've made publicly, but you wanted to personally make it available to them. The whole point is it's not necessarily the sales chat is, you know, a sell on CRMs. The one that I use and it's free is HubSpot. I think that it's a fantastic tool. It's not necessarily about CRMs, but it's the larger picture of actually using the systems and the processes that you put into place. So take a take an audit of what you're doing and say, am I following the systems and processes that I have in place for my sales calls? Am I following a, am I following the systems and processes that I have for creating content? I wasn't creating content with the same cadence that I used to on LinkedIn. So I'm looked and I'm like, I'm not following any systems and processes. Of course, I'm not getting the outcomes that I desire. So take some time to really just audit your time and make sure, am I following the systems and processes that I've spent so much time putting together? Um, And if you're not, then it's just a really easy, it's a relatively easy fix because you've already set them up. All right, let's get into the episode. So today, we're going to be talking about pricing and pricing is a tough one because um, it's just not always easy to one, know how much to charge, when to increase your prices, how to have those conversations. And I think that pricing becomes a different hurdle in a different way as you grow, expand and scale your business. So this pricing conversation is mainly beneficial to those who are more early stage entrepreneurs. Now, I considered myself an early stage entrepreneur for actually a couple of years because it's taken it took me a really long time to get my niche really comfortable with my niche and get really comfortable with the offerings that I was um, offering, like who I was providing my services to. So I, if if I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was an early stage entrepreneur for a really long time. So this episode is really geared towards the early stage entrepreneur. You're really trying to get your feet wet and just feeling more comfortable with the idea of charging people for your services and how all the things that come with that. So the first question that I wanted to address in today's episode is what should you charge? And this is a really, really really hard question to answer because it is so focused on what you need to to have a viable business. So there's a couple of things that you want to at least keep in mind and it's this. What does it cost you to run your business and to service a particular client in a particular way? So for instance, let's say you have you know, one-on-one coaching with clients. There are certain things that you may need to invest in in order to provide this one-on-one coaching. Maybe it's a piece of software, maybe it's, you know, Google Workplace, whatever it might be, there's a cost in order for you to deliver your services. And then there's a cost for your time. And so what you might be able to charge in an hour for it to be economically viable and ultimately worth your time to be giving someone an hour of your time, an hour plus of your time, it's going to vary person to person. At the end of the day, I can tell you, you should be charging $72 an hour for coaching. 
But if that's not viable for you and your financial situation and you need to charge more in order for it to make sense, then me telling you that you should charge $72 an hour for coaching isn't good advice, is it, right? So I want you to consider a couple of things when you're trying to decide what it is that you should charge. I want you to think of, okay, especially in the beginning, what's kind of the minimum amount that you feel that you can charge where you're not going to be resentful to the person who's paying you uh, for the fees that you have knowingly and willingly given them, right? So there was a time in my business where I would charge a ridiculously low amount of money for people to work with me. And I found that I was getting really resentful because I'm like, look at all this value that I'm giving you for such a little amount of money. But at the end of the day, I didn't, at the end of the day, we're all entitled. We all have the right to feel whatever it is that we choose to feel at any particular time. But in the context of myself, I didn't have the right to be upset. I set the prices right? And someone agreed to said prices. So who am I to be upset about something that I had complete and total control of? I don't go into Louis Vuitton and I see a bag for $5,000 and I'm like, I should really be paying you guys 7,500. So I don't really care what the tag says. I'm going to pay you more than what you've asked me to. No, that's nuts, right? So there are scenarios where that happens. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen, but I'm saying you should not, you do not build a business hoping, wishing, and praying that your future clients are going to come to you and say, nope, you deserve to be paid more. People will pay the market value and you set your own market value. So think of the minimum amount that you can charge where you are not resentful to your clients for what it is that you're doing. Okay. So you can set that at a hundred dollars an hour. There's some people who do coaching for a hundred dollars an hour, $150 an hour. And you know, that is just part of, of, how it is that they price things. So to answer what should you charge, you need to think about the minimum amount that you need to charge for, you know, this amount of time or in order for you to deliver on a particular project, especially as you're starting, you start with the minimum amount that you can, you know, that makes you doing what you do worth your while. And then I want you to incrementally increase your prices which rolls into the second part of the, you know, the episode that I want to talk about, which is when should you increase your prices? And I like to keep it really simple when I, when I talk to my clients and it's this, after you've gotten five people to pay you at your current rates and you're able to deliver uh, them results and they're happy with the results that they've gotten, then increase your prices. Or it can be something where you're doing it annually and you're increasing your prices on the 1st of January or it could be the 1st of May or the 13th of May every single year, but have it where annually you're taking a look at you know, the results that you've gotten for your clients and the impact that your business is having on other people's lives and then making an incremental increase. How much you increase is really up to you. I've done it as small as like a 10% increase. I've done it as big as literally just straight up doubling my prices. And I've doubled my prices before within like a six month span, right? So it doesn't really matter the time. It's arbitrary, 
right? Um, but I like to keep it simple in the sense where you're like, Cable and I want an answer. <laughs> That's my answer. Um, you want to think of, okay, once I get five people to agree to pay m- the market value that I've set, you've got five, You've those five people are happy with what they've gotten for what they've paid, you then can increase your pricing. But you also want to realize that one of the things you want to keep in mind is as you're raising your prices, you can't always keep the way that you're marketing and how you're positioning yourself in the market the same, right? The type, the, the types of people who are buying a Toyota, for instance, are not the same people who buy a Lexus, even though they're manufactured by the same parent company, right? So, um, it's always really weird to me how Toyota and Lexus are so, so similar. <laughs> but there's definitely a marked difference when you sit in a Lexus or a Toyota. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, you, as you increase your pricing, you need to really take a look at your marketing and who you're targeting and how you're presenting yourself online and think, okay, at this elevated level, am I showing up online in a way that people are then going to make that connection between my offer being a true premium product and offer versus the lesser, you know, offers or packages that I would offer before, because your whole, the whole buying journey begins long before they actually ask you for your prices and before they get on a discovery call with you where they actually sign up, right? So just make sure how you're presenting yourself, your personal brand, you know, all of that is, is connecting. Um, you can't, I don't want to say you can't, but you want to make that smooth transition into the higher price brackets. Um, You know, there are things like, does my website match what it is that I'm charging? People might not make the decision because of your website, but it's like one of those quick mental checks that people often do. So increase your prices every five new clients or so, and you're getting that impact. So let's say you bring on five, you know, new clients, but only three of them are happy with the results that they got for what they paid for whatever reason, then wait for seven, get five happy clients at the rate that you are increased and make the price increase substantial enough that you'll have that patience to wait for five people or don't. Again, this is just my opinion. And the last thing that I want to touch on this in this episode is not so much a question, but the value in something that I call, I don't, this is not me. This is something that someone smarter than me has come up with many, many years ago, and it's tiered pricing. Okay. So what I have found in the consulting world specifically, and what I've carried over into what I'm doing with the Claim Your Space Band is tiered pricing. And the reason why it's important is consumer needs to feel a level of control that has never been seen before. It's crazy amazing, right? Where if you think about, um, you know, about what we can do with finding reviews and we can search things in people online and get that social proof, those are the things that make us feel comfortable. And control in the buying process is what makes people feel comfortable. It's what I've seen in the consulting world. It's what I've seen in B2B over the last, I want to say seven years or so and I'm seeing it more and more on the like coaching side of the coaching the small business side and it's allowing people to essentially choose their own adventure that is either 
the packages are tied to how what it is that I need in my business and I have choice. So what I've implemented in my business and what I'm into implementing because like, you know, basically in the claim your space world or as I work one-on-one as a coach, I kind of was a little bit of a one trick pony. I was like, this is how you work with me. Take it or leave it. And I don't think it was bad. I was able to grow my business very successfully on the consulting side and on the coaching side very well. But it can be a little bit restrictive where it's like people could only afford to, would only get the opportunity to work with me if they could spend thousands of dollars. And I don't think that's fair because there was a time in my business when I couldn't afford to spend thousands of dollars on a coach. So why was I creating a business where that was the case? And so of course, nothing measures up to my one-on-one like exclusive packages. Nothing measures up, but I can still deliver. And when I say nothing measures up, I really feel like I need to clarify this. It's you get the knowledge and the and you just get my time. You get my time in your business directly, ad hoc. Whenever you need me, you can reach out to me on Boxer. You can send me emails. I'm looking at your sales pages. Like we're going through all the things, right? But there are other ways where I can translate what I know in my head that I'm working with my one-on-one clients with into packages that allow people to choose, okay, this is what I can afford, Um, or this is how it is that I want to learn. So I want you to think when you're thinking of your pricing, and maybe this is something that you implement over time. So not trying to do everything all at once, but earlier on than I did in my entrepreneurial journey is to have a good, better, best version of how people can work with you, right? So in the coaching small business world, a good, better, best will look like, okay, good is maybe a, a, like a shorter self-paced course, right? So something that's under, you know, maybe one or $200, right? It could be, you know, a self-paced course. It can be a really in-depth ebook. It can be a masterclass, but something that is relatively inexpensive for people to be able to experience the goodness that is your expertise, okay? So that'd be good. Better might be a group coaching program. So people don't necessarily get you one-on-one or maybe they don't get as much one-on-one time with you, um, but they have the opportunity to get a better version of what they can get for either free with with what you share on your social media pages, what they can get in the a good package, which is a masterclass, a workshop, um, a small course, so on and so forth. And then you've got better, which is the mastermind, for instance, like in my own business, right? So right now I'm working on some workshops and masterclasses, a mini course, because again, as I said, like this is something I'm really working on within my own business and bonus points, um, passive income is thebomb.com. Um, so With all that being said, so then there's, we talked about good, we have better, and then best is like the whole gamut. This is that one-on-one exclusive experience. It can be a high-level mastermind where there's really only a handful of you in the mastermind and it includes like a trip to Bali or something like that. It's like that whole shebang, like it's a super 
in depth. You get all my knowledge all the time. Like I'm just pouring everything into you. Um, and that's the best, like that's the platinum experience. If this is what you want, like you're going to pay for, but you're going to get absolutely everything in this package that you could potentially need. And it's worked so good in consulting. And what's amazing is this is only the experience that I can share with you from uh, working in consulting because again, I'm just it really implementing this in my own business and I'll report back to you guys on the coaching, you know, small business side, how that's worked. But on the consulting side, I've found that having tiered pricing has actually pushed my, what is the word that I'm looking for? That my average sale up. Whereas before, when I had a single package, it was yes or no, Um, yes or no to working with me. And then I noticed the language when I went back to what I was, what I was doing in some of my corporate roles, but it was now the language shifted from not yes or no to this package, but which package am I going to choose? Game changing game changing it somehow some way and I really need to look into the psychology of this it now wasn't a decision behind whether or not they were going to work with our company it was how are we now going to work with this company now I think it's 10 times more effective this tiered pricing when you have a really strong personal brand because they already knew they liked me they already knew that um, I was knowledgeable and I was going to bring something very unique and important to their business to the table and then now it becomes and I see it in the proposal calls where they're like okay let's ignore so how I do my good better best in with my consulting business is I have silver gold and platinum packages where the silver package is no longer even a thing that they're talking about they ask for a little clarification like and then people are like yeah okay that's not enough now explain to us the difference between the gold and the platinum package and when you've got clients who are talking to you like that right um when you have clients who are coming on as one-on-one coaching or one-on-one coaching and you've explained the different ways that they can work with you if they're gravitating towards the lower cost offers that's okay but I find that when my one-on-one coaching like discovery calls when they start wanting to focus on the higher tiered you know packages and like really understanding the details that's when you know they are damn serious about you know just working with you and being able to fold you into the next stage of their business and ultimately their lives so there you have it. I'm, I'm really hoping that that was a helpful pricing discussion for those of you who are early stage entrepreneurs. And like I said in the beginning, ain't no shame in the game if you are three years an early stage entrepreneur. I was working full time. I had two kids, was pregnant with my third kid. I was, I was, look, hella early in the early stage entrepreneur game for years. It's embarrassing thinking about it now, but my hope is that with this pricing conversation and really with this podcast overall, podcast, the new resources that I'm coming out with, my tiered pricing, 
<laughs> within, you know, how it is that you can work with the Claim Your Space brand. I'm really excited about that. And so if you're an early stage entrepreneur who's been early stage entrepreneur for two years, girl, you are fine. Okay. You are just fine. Because I can tell you as someone who's on the other side of being an early stage entrepreneur for a really long time, sometimes that's just life. And I'd love to tell you that, oh my gosh, I made six figures in six months, but that's not my story. That's not a lot of people's story. Um, I made money, but was it consistent? Oh, hell no. That took me a long time. Okay. So if you're an early stage entrepreneur, I really hope that this pricing conversation was helpful for you. In my next pricing conversation, it's going to be targeted more to those who are making consistent 10 figure months or close to, and just some of the different things that you are thinking about when it comes to how you price. But I think the conversation that we had around increasing your pricing, what should you charge? It can be helpful at any level. So anyways, I'm going to stop rambling. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I was going to say tweet me on Instagram. Lord have mercy. Um, At me on Instagram. Take a screenshot. Share it on Instagram. Tag me. That's the word. Tag me. Let me know what you love from this episode. And um, I don't know if you've had an opportunity for those of you who are listening, but I've got an amazing, amazing newsletter. So that's going to be in the show notes down below. But if you've made it to this point, thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I hope that this was helpful or useful in some way. And until next time, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.